from KMOX Sports. Okay, boys, here we go. Welcome to the Great Bar Sports Open Line. Those mid swings, and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Great Bar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Here we go. Now, Matt Pauly on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. All right, man, let's get going here. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Let's go. Not just on a Tuesday night, but on a Halloween, we addition, we welcome you into another edition of a Great Bar Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauly. As always, it is fantastic to have you with us tonight. 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. So I'll be honest with you. Coming in, I'm planning this show out, and it is Halloween, and I was trying to like think to myself, do I do like something Halloween-themed? Do I, do I do that? Like some, uh, nothing against shows that do that. You know, the scariest, this, the spookiest, that I don't know. And I wrote, that's just, it's not me. It's, it's, it's not me. I'm not a big Halloween guy. Kyle Sixta back in the house today, uh, running things. Are you a big Halloween person? You're here till midnight tonight. So even if you are, uh, you don't get to do much of anything. I love Halloween. You do. I do. It's do you, uh, one of my favorites for sure. Do you still dress up? Uh, I mean, no, but <laughs> I, I just enjoy the time and the day. I I don't know. If that, I, that wasn't convincing, by the way, on the, uh, <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, I didn't this year. I have in the past. Uh, if I'm going somewhere, if I have a reason to, I will. But I mean, uh, I'm not like dying to dress up. As a, so I, I've never really been a dress up guy at all. If I need to for family reasons, like a couple years ago, we were the Incredibles for my daughter a <laughs> um, few years back. Uh, we did a Paw Patrol thing, and I was Ryder from mm-hmm. Paw Patrol. But that's all just for my daughter. Right. I I I do not dress up for me. I, even when <laughs> I was like in college and a young guy, if I was going to the bars or whatever, everybody would be dressed up, and I would be just me. It's never been my. I've never been a big Halloween guy. Yeah. If, if I'm dressing up, I'm certainly not doing it for me. I okay. I agree with that. But uh, it's definitely uh, for the other people. Or if I'm going in a group, you know, that's sometimes fun. But I'm never just going to be like. I'm going to dress up for myself. I sound very curmudgeon-y, but it's just, I don't know. I've never, we didn't really do much for Halloween when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. That wasn't really a thing that my family did. So I think I've just kind of carried that on. Now, having a kid, we try to push it as much as we can just, you know, so she can enjoy it. But yeah, not mm-hmm. my thing. I like uh, horror movies. So okay. I like scary movies and I like all of that. So that's what I like about Halloween, I would say. I don't like scary stuff per se. Uh, generally the other day I was on the Dave Glover show and we were doing, uh, we were doing the, the, uh, one of his games and the, all, they were all Halloween related questions and I didn't know anything. Like <laughs> I, I couldn't name the monsters from movies and things like, it's just not my thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not an expert on it. So we're going to play it pretty much uh, down the middle today, a neutral edition, a, a non-Halloween edition on a Halloween night for a Gray Bar Sports Open Line on KMOX. That's being said, we've got a, we have a jam-packed program. Like I always say, I always say that. It's always true. We've got a lot coming up. Uh, Brian Kennedy from Channel 4, he's going to join us in less than 10 minutes. Uh, later on this hour, we're going to welcome onto the show for the first time ever. He is the new beat writer covering Missouri athletics for the Post Dispatch and STL Today. Uh, Eli Hoff's going to join us next hour. We'll get our uh, weekly fantasy football segment with uh, Sean Malone. We'll talk NBA basketball next hour with our guy Justin Garcia. A big trade going down last night. Uh, really, technically, early, early, early this morning. I was still up. I think it was maybe past one o'clock in the morning uh, when when that went down. It may have been close to two o'clock in the morning, but uh, 
Adrian Wojnarowski clearly and evidently never sleeps because all of a sudden in the middle of the night, we're learning about a big trade in the NBA. And we'll talk also next hour with a guy who covers MLS for MLSsoccer.com. Sidney Hunt is going to join us next hour, and we'll get his thoughts on what went down with City SC this past Sunday and what's going to happen here moving forward. World Series game number four tonight. There's some interesting storylines that went on with yesterday's game that may or may not impact uh, this series moving forward. The first with um, a St. Louisan in yesterday's starting pitcher for the Rangers and Max Scherzer. He had to leave the game early due to injury. He goes three innings. He was pitching pretty well. Three scoreless innings for him. Had uh, just given up two hits. Wasn't overpowering anybody. Only had one strikeout. Uh, but he was he was effective in this game. So they went to John Gray after him. And what that affects is today's game. Because Gray would have been the starter for the Rangers today. But since he came in through three innings yesterday, he's not available today. So they essentially are going to a bullpen game. Uh, the Rangers are going with Andrew Heaney. It's going to be a, a bullpen game as well for Joe Manta, uh, for the Diamondbacks. As Joe Mantiply is going to make the start for him. I just... This happens every year. This happens every single year in the playoffs, whether it's the World Series or the Championship Series or the Division Series. Every year we see a game or two that ends up being a bullpen game. And it's kind of wild that it happens this way because you have all these days off in the postseason, so you don't need as many starters as you do. But teams build their rosters with so many guys designated to the bullpen. A lot of times you're taking – just the three starters. You only need three starters, obviously, uh, in the in the wild card round and the divisional round. Once you get into a league championship series and a world series, it's almost like teams say, you know what? This roster spot can be more valuable to us over a seven-game series with somebody who can impact the series multiple times as compared to carrying a pitcher that would be used just once. So everything else be darned, we are just going to go ahead and know that at some point in time there's going to be a bullpen game. That seems to be somewhat the approach. Again, the Rangers had John Gray ready to go and he had to pitch yesterday. Uh, But every year, every year, you end up having some bullpen games in the postseason, which from a surface-level standpoint you would think would never happen. But when you kind of dig a little deeper on why and how these rosters are being put together for the postseason – you see the decisions uh, that are being made, and teams are almost making the decision to throw away, uh, not not a game, but a start, throw away a start, uh, knowing that especially because you do have so many off days and you're carrying an extra bullpen pitcher, uh, you can you can have a day with high usage for your bullpen in a bullpen game and, and still be fine. And I guess when you really think about it, it, it does make sense, and we see teams do it on just about an every-year basis. So we'll see what happens. Oh, Adolis Garcia went out. He said he was fine today. It's an oblique issue. Those are tough. Those are really tough. It's hard to swing. It's hard to create much power. He's not in the lineup today. Uh, Rangers, if they win tonight, they're they're really in control of the series. If the Diamondbacks win, it very much is a series. How things go tonight could certainly impact what happens with uh, Garcia moving forward. We'll keep you updated on the World Series as we move along through the course of the evening. It's not going to get started for another uh, 45, 50 minutes or so. But when we return, we are going to have our first guest of the day. Channel 4 sports anchor and reporter Brian Kennedy is with us in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. It's a Graybar Sports Open Line on KMOX. 
is the Graybar Sports Open Line. Goes bit swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. A great our sports open line continues on right here on KMOX. We're happy to be able to go to the Quiver River Electric guest line, and we welcome in a guy that you see on Channel 4 KMOV, part of the sports team there. He is our good friend Brian Kennedy. You follow him on Twitter at BKennedyTV. Brian, appreciate you taking some time. How are you? Doing well, Matt. It's my favorite holiday, Halloween number one on the list all time. Really? Is, has it always been that way, or is it more related to having kids? It's always been a way, and it's gotten worse with kids. <laughs> now I make them buy into the craziness. And, yeah, man, when I was a kid, I was always loved it. It wasn't even the getting candy part. It was just the scary, you know, dress up, go out, trick-or-treating with my friends. I've loved it since I was little, and now I'm just a bigger little kid now with mine. Does the Kennedy fan, are, like, are, do you have a theme in terms of everybody dressing up in the same area? Is it everything going unique? Take me through what, what it's going to look like tonight. So we used to, but now my, my son's seven. He fights back with that nonsense now. So he's he, he's an evil clown this year. And then my daughter, she's three. She wants to be a princess every year. So this last year she was Moana. This year uh, she's Elsa. And then my 11-month-old will be Anna from Frozen. So I think the family costumes may take a break for a few years because uh, everyone's too stubborn. Uh, but I feel like I can get them back on my side soon. What, so are you not dressing up at all? I'm not dressed up at all. No, there was nowhere I could fit in with a costume. So, and it's like really cold. I don't know if you've done <laughs> any, any costume I think I would have been able to pull off, maybe one to fit. So, we're going to try next year. But yeah, we used to dress up all the time. I know I dressed up as an Avenger one year, and I was a Power Ranger one year with my son. Now that's not cool to dress up like that. So, we, we've reached that point. I'm not a big Halloween guy, but I enjoy, I've got a four-year-old daughter, and I enjoy watching her excitement of dressing up. She's going as uh, Mighty Sky from the new uh, Paw Patrol movie, so uh, she's got that going for her. So that that's enjoyable for me. Yeah, that's pretty fun. When I woke up my son for school this morning, the first thing he said was, Halloween. I was like, yeah, it is, buddy. <laughs> so we're excited. See, we uh, today was not a school day for my daughter. She doesn't go off five days. She goes three days a week. And we told her that we can't do any Halloween stuff until after your nap. So today was the easiest Ooh. time ever to get her down for a nap. <laughs> she was ready for that nap because she knew what was happening after the nap. Yeah, if there's incentives, man, it's all of a sudden they don't yep. mind sleeping or taking taking some time off. It's amazing how that works. All right, let's get into uh, some actual sports. City SC, that was a really disappointing performance on Sunday night. They lose to uh, Sporting Kansas City by a 4-1 score. What's your kind of just overall takeaway from a very disappointing night at City Park? You know, I said this on air the other day. You know, when they lost those two games in the season, you know, we didn't really put much into it. We were like, you know, some of the guys in play, and they've already clinched their seed. They've clinched in the Western Conference. You know, maybe they're just kind of taking a couple games off. But then you see what happens on Sunday night, and you're like, well, maybe we should have worried about it more, you know. I think this team maybe thought they could just flip the switch and just automatically be the team that they were for really the majority of the season. But obviously they struggled. Even Tim Parker after the game was, you know, he just said we – we, we need to figure out who we're going to be as a team in these playoffs. And I'm just like, man, like <laughs> you're, you're down one, you know, Oh, one in a series. Like I, it'd be ideal if you weren't figuring that out now, but hopefully they can figure it out. I mean, they still have those key guys, but 
I think they're definitely going to have to change the, the way to look at it. Maybe start two two strikers up front with Klaus and Joe Keeney and Sam, and just to figure it out. They have to be some kind of scoring threat. They've kind of ridden that most of the year, and that they score when it happens, but. I think in the playoffs, I mean, you're going to have to change change it up a little bit. Yeah, Roman Berkey's never been somebody to hold his tongue, but I thought what he had to say after the match, specifically talking about uh, their training sessions and how maybe there's been a little bit too much fun and frivolity and things like that, and when you get into the playoffs, you got to lock in. There's a lot of talk about him and Tim Parker and other veteran guys trying to help everybody lock in and find that extra intensity, and that just – it. It's odd. I, like, I'm having a hard time grasping this because when you get to the playoffs, this is the time where y- you can be done. Your season can just come to an end so quickly. So to hear that there's questions about the intensity, I, I just I, I don't know how to uh, take that all in. Yeah, I know. I, when I was going through his postgame press conference the other day, I was sitting there with our intern, and I was like, you know, the one good thing about Berkey that we love is he's blunt. He will say how he feels. And, yet, and, you know, on Sunday he straight up said, he's like, he says Sporting KC didn't do anything crazy. He was like, we just weren't good enough. And that, <laughs> that was that was it. You know, kind of Mike Drumley's, we just weren't good enough. And, and he knows that, I mean, he's played at a higher level of soccer than this. He knows that it's just not, not going to count. It's not going to work playing at their current level. They're not going to be Sporting KC. Uh, Sporting KC is a team that has guys that have been there before. So hopefully, I mean, they have a, you know, they have a solid week. We hope everyone in the city helps they can figure it out because I know fans were not happy, especially if you went to that game and you were out there for hours in that weather and then to watch that performance, man, that's it's just like even worse to see them go down 4-1 on top of everything else. You know, we think about the baseball season being long, and it is because they play 162 games, and soccer's different because they're playing at the most two a week, generally one a week, and there's multiple breaks during the course of the season. But this is a, a regular season that began in February, and now all of a sudden, in two weeks, the season could just be done. It's 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 a it's a very abrupt finish to what has been something that's been going on for months and months and months. Yeah, and you don't want to see it in like this. I mean, with how bad the Blues were, and then with how bad the Cardinals were, I've said many times, City SC kind of kept the. You know, the sports fans hope alive in St. Louis because they were so good and they took the, you know, they kind of almost kind of took on the personality of the city that they're blue collar. They just come into work every day and proved everyone wrong with the chip on their shoulder. And, and they were so big and really kind of keep people from, you know, going insane with how bad other teams were. So you just don't want to see it in like this. You know, I, I feel like for sure they're going to come out and I hope win on, win on Sunday because I think. I mean, I know they're good enough. I mean, they, you know, they beat KC, what, two or three times during their regular season. So, you know, they can do it, but they just have to play to that level from the, from the beginning, beginning what's going on. Let's switch gears to baseball World Series uh, game number four tonight as uh, Texas leads that series 2-1. If people are listening to this show, they're probably pretty locked into what's going on in the World Series, but the TV ratings have just been abysmal saying that the the average fan out there, the non-hardcore sports fan, just the person who watches the World Series because it's the World Series, they're not paying attention. And, and it probably has a lot to do with the fact that the Diamondbacks are not an overly compelling team. But this has turned into kind of an interesting series with some really unique uh, individuals for both teams. And it feels like from a national standpoint, it's not really being paid attention to that much. Which is a bummer. I mean, Obviously, Adelis Garcia is the story, right? 
what he, I mean, I've, I've watched a lot of the playoffs period just because I've been locked into baseball, but you know, when you see Rangers Diamondbacks, that's not going to have somebody, you know, tuning in on a, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night, just to watch like it would if it were the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Cardinals, you know, one of those marquee matchups. But I think these teams are here for a reason. It's because they're good. I mean, I know the Diamondbacks aren't a team that jumps off the page, but you see what guys like Cattell Marte are doing. Corbin Carroll, who's a rookie who's absolutely destroying the ball. And then the other side, Garcia, Seager, even pitching. I know we hate to say it, but Monty has looked great in these playoffs. He's, I mean, he's, I mean, he started for them in their big games. So I, and I feel like the, the biggest, the biggest baseball fans you're watching because it's the World Series, right? But I feel like you have to watch these games because really you don't know what's going to happen. People thought the Rangers were rolling, right? They're going to roll, but then, you know, they lose last night. So like, well, maybe, you know, this, this is the, or they lose a couple of nights ago. So you don't, you just don't know what's going to happen in this series anymore. And it's been enjoying to watch so much young talent, but also guys like Corey Seager that are stepping up and playing. It's been, it's been a lot of fun to watch. You just hate it because of the name, so people don't tune in, but the talent is still there for sure. Last thing for you before we get you out of here, we're about a week out from college basketball season. I know you're a big college basketball <laughs> guy. Uh, this area, when you think about Missouri and Illinois, they're both, they both should be very good. Uh, SLU is very intriguing. Uh, the mid-majors in the area, whether it's uh, Missouri State, Southern Illinois, Southeast Missouri State coming off a, a tournament run last year, it just seems like the college basketball storylines and the games that we're going to see on an every-night basis throughout uh, the, the greater St. Louis area and into the region, it should be pretty darn good. Yeah, I think it's going to be intriguing just because so many teams are going to be completely different. I mean, Mizzou is going to look completely different than it's looked before, right? I mean, just off losing Kobe Brown, you're immediately going to look different because he was he was your guy last year. He was the guy you leaned on. He's gone. Illinois, you know, you get a couple of your, couple of your veterans back and Coleman Hawkins and some other guys, but you're going to look very different. Slew just right here in town. Even, you know, I interviewed Travis Ford the day they opened practice. He said – you know, those first few years, they had some roster turnover, but he said this may be the biggest roster turnover he's ever had. He has a couple of veterans back, but if you remember that team last year, it was basically all transfers and seniors. Uh, and now and now all those guys are gone. He's going to have new point guards. And now he's dealing with the problem with the NCAA in that he has multiple foreign players that have yet to be cleared by the NCAA, and they just all have to be his sitters. So if you go to a slew game maybe the next couple of weeks, you're going to be thinking, man, they don't have a guy over six, six, and seven. They do. They just can't play yet. So that's going to be intriguing what happens there. Then you go even further, Missouri State, Illinois. It's going to be a lot. It's going to be interesting because when you flip on these teams for the first month or so, you don't know what you're going to get. And that's the exciting part of college basketball. And you have a lot of guys in new roles trying to figure things out. And, you know, I'm a Kentucky guy, and we overturn our roster every year. So, you know, I'm excited for this season. So, college used to so much fun, man. I enjoy it more than more than just about any sport. You just, you just don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. And that could be good or bad. No, I, I think it's generally more good than bad for sure. He is uh, Brian Kennedy. You see him on Channel 4 KMOV. If his kids knock on your door tonight, give him lots and lots and lots <laughs> and lots of candy. Follow him on Twitter at BKennedyTV. Brian, I always love our conversations. Thanks for taking the time. Always enjoyable, man. Thank you. Brian Kennedy joining us here on a Gray Bar Sports Open Line. I'll tell you what, over the last uh, 10 minutes or so, as we had him on the program, a lot has happened. Here's your breaking news of the last uh, 15 minutes or so. 
Uh, Dolis Garcia and Max Scherzer have each been removed from the Rangers playoff roster as a result of those injuries. So their playoffs are over. They are done for the rest of the World Series. They have been replaced by utility man Ezekiel Durand and left-handed reliever Brock Burke. So Adolis Garcia and Max Scherzer, their seasons have come to an end due to injury. Uh, Pierre Lebrun reporting that former Blue Paul Stasny, he has decided to retire after 17 NHL seasons. So uh, Stasny's career has come to an end. And the first college football playoff rankings are out. And Missouri comes in at number 12. That's pretty good. Missouri is the number 12 team in the first edition of the college football playoff rankings. So that is the breaking news of the last 10-15 minutes in the sports world. Speaking of Mizzou, up next we're going to be joined by uh, Eli Hoff. He covers uh, Mizzou Athletics for the Post-Dispatch and STL Today. He's up next. This is a Graybar Sports Open Line on KMOX. This is a great bar sports open line. We're very happy to uh, head back to the Quiver River Electric guest line. We'll talk some uh, Missouri football and a little bit of basketball before all is said and done. As uh, we're happy to welcome on the uh, new beat writer covering Missouri athletics for the Post Dispatch and STL Today. He is Eli Hoff. You follow him on Twitter at by Eli E L I H O F F. Eli, great to talk to you for a first time and get you on the program. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me on, Matt. Yeah, congratulations. You're you're pretty new to uh, to the uh, you know the full time lead beat. You were working, uh, I, I believe, as a was it as a student? You know, I know there's been a student program involved with covering Missouri at the Post Dispatch, and and you moved into the uh, the primary role when Dave moved on uh, to working inside of the athletic department. So uh, I think I got that right. But uh, congratulations all the way around. No, for sure. Thank you. And yeah, that's a, a remarkably accurate way to put it. <laughs> Um, so you've, you've done your research well there, but yeah, it was, it was a pleasure to work with Dave and, and just an, an honor to be stepping into the role full time now. You are covering Missouri at an incredible time because football is as relevant as it has been for quite some time. And obviously basketball had a fantastic last season under uh, Dennis Gates and all indications are that it's going to continue to move uh, in that direction. Let's start with, uh, with Missouri football. This team could be undefeated right now. I mean, they should have won that LSU game. Uh, how how enjoyable has it been to watch the maturation of this program to get to where they're at right now? Oh, it's been a, it's been an absolute blast watching this play out over the course of this year, both on the field and just watching these players in in practice and talking to them in between and just seeing one the the growth and development of just the way they play football, uh, but also just seeing some kind of newfound confidence in them too, especially on the offensive side of the ball. This team going into the year, I think everyone expected the defense to, to kind of carry this team. And, and really, it's been the opposite of what I think a lot of people expected, that it's been the offense that's really fueling a lot of these wins so far and a lot of the kind of explosive plays that they've unlocked under Kirby Moore. So it's just been, they've been a, a real pleasure to watch there with some of what they're able to do offensively. And now the defense has really uh, stepped into its own, stepped into what it was able to do last year in these last few games with just generating turnovers, getting to quarterbacks, uh, you know, getting the, the most sacks in the game this year against Spencer Rattler a couple of weeks ago in that homecoming game. So it's uh, it, it's been one heck of a season so far, and, and really it's these next two games that could uh, that could make it an even better season for Missouri. They were at a crossroads going into the Kentucky-South Carolina back-to-back where it felt like how they did in those games was largely going to indicate how good of a season it could be. And uh, they win at Kentucky, a game that it feels like 
they would not have won in previous years, and then they were able to take care of business against South Carolina. There may be focus on, on what they did against an LSU or a good Kansas State team, but just how important was it that they were able to go 2-0 and against Kentucky and South Carolina? I think it's it's absolutely huge because that's what needs to happen or needed to happen for this team to achieve the goals it now has. And, and obviously there's still a lot of football yet to be played, but if we look at the season so far as it's played out, I think there's two moments you pinpoint as absolutely pivotal for this team. One was Harrison Nevis's walk-off against Kansas State because winning that game changed a lot of things, I think, for people's expectations. And then you look at what happened on the sideline after they went down 14-0 to Kentucky there in Lexington at the end of that first quarter uh, because a switch flipped then, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And since then, they, they went and outscored Kentucky by a considerable margin. They, they held down South Carolina, especially in the first half, let it slip in the second half there a little bit. Um, but, but what that also shows is that this team, and, and Eli Drinkwitz is the first one to point this out, this team has yet to play a complete four-quarter perfect game. And, and they're the number 14 team in the country without having really played their best. Um, so I think those, those recent wins are, are, emphas- are, are examples of that that the team can go out and, and win and not the prettiest way and not maybe the most uh, the most prideful way, but, but still be winning. They get two weeks to prepare for Georgia. Can that be, and I know a lot of time was spent recruiting and doing some other things and guys got some time off their feet, but what does the two-week aspect to this mean for this game this Saturday? Yeah, I think it means two things. Uh, one means just kind of your typical bi-week thing of just getting healthy. There are a lot of guys who who had been knocked around a little bit, some nagging muscle strains and, and that sort of thing coming out of that South Carolina game. But a lot of players were just looking forward to a Saturday where they weren't going to be uh, beaten down into the turf for a little bit. So there are there are guys who are just feeling healthier, feeling a little bit of uh, physical refreshment after that bye week. But two, it, it also meant extra time to game plan for Georgia. Uh, I was talking to Brady Cook today, and he was saying that he's he's already ahead of schedule in terms of learning the game plan, learning some of the, the concepts that they're looking to throw against Georgia, that he was he was feeling good because he said it was it was only Tuesday, uh, but he was feeling like he had a, a later-in-the-week understanding of both what Georgia was going to do and what they wanted to do against Georgia. So I think this is certainly an opponent where having some extra prep time is, is not a bad thing by any means, and then they're feeling, they're feeling physically uh, even better than they have been recently as well. When you start to squint and you try to find a way to, to... – imagine Missouri knocking off Georgia part of it is connected to their effort last year where you can make the argument that they should have won that game in Columbia but different teams different years this year it's in Athens obviously that's a a big big difference from last year is is there a shot I mean does Missouri have uh, the chance to go into Athens and knock off the number one team in the nation I think there absolutely is because you look at what this Missouri offense especially has been able to do they kept pace with LSU for, for the vast majority of that game, and LSU has one of the best offenses in the country. Now, LSU's defense is a lot worse than Georgia's defense is, so it's not like it's going to be just a matter of putting up points. Uh, but I think they're, they're certainly able to. What I think it will come down to is just what Mizzou's defense can do. Um, if they can get that extra two or three stops, that might just be a matter of, of holding Georgia to field goals instead of touchdowns in the red zone. Getting those sorts of kind of marginal plays or plays at the margins I think is really what can make the difference. And again, this Mizzou team hasn't played a, a complete game, hasn't played a perfectly executed game this season. That, that's what it will take to beat Georgia. They're the number one team in the country. They're chasing a three-feet for a reason. Uh, it's going to take perfect execution. But 
I think if if that's what Mizzou can bring to Athens, which again, it's a very difficult thing, but if they can bring that kind of execution, I think it's certainly possible. We're talking with uh, Eli Hoff. He covers Missouri Athletics for the Post-Dispatch and STL today. Let's talk a little basketball before we get you out of here. They open up their season on Monday. They'll take on uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff. It's interesting because from a national standpoint, even from a league standpoint, they weren't in the top 25. They weren't one of the top teams in the SEC preseason poll. But you you talk to people connected to the program, close to the program, and you look at the recruiting that was done, it, it feels like the Tigers could have a very good season this year. It, it really does. And, and I always just struggle with, with what to make of some of the preseason polling and, and just people picking teams to finish various places. Last year, Mizzou was not picked to finish very high and, and they finished fourth in the sec it made it to the ncaa tournament made it to that second round you know probably should have have beat a team like princeton right uh so it was it was a successful season last year despite being low in the preseason rankings you know it this team lacks some of the top end talent that last year's team had you don't just find a new kobe brown overnight you don't just find a new Des Moines hodge overnight it, it'll be on on guys like nick honor uh, guys like noah carter to step up and bring more but uh, Dennis Gates is, is still with his program. He's still a fantastic basketball coach. There's still a lot of talent that came in, both in terms of the recruiting class and the transfer portal. So there's still plenty of optimism around Mizzou basketball this year, even if that's not really what you're seeing on a kind of SEC-wide or, or nationwide basis. The preseason polls are useless, and they've gotten that way with college basketball, more so in, in the in the transfer portal era because you got teams sometimes turning over 8, 9, 10, 11 guys on a roster. You'll have four or five new starters just in the transfer portal where there's so much turnover, there is no way to prognosticate college basketball. No, there, there really isn't because you take a guy like Caleb Grill who, who left Iowa State and brings in shooting ability and, and nobody can predict exactly what his role is going to be for Mizzou. And, and even if you knew, knew exactly what his role was going to be and how much they're going to look to him, you know, you can't predict how well he's going to actually shoot the ball from three. You can't predict what a guy like Connor Vanover is really going to bring in. You, you can't even really project what a guy like Noah Carter, who this Dennis Gates is saying that this team is, is going to use him a lot more this year. You know, he's, he might functionally be a new player in that regard. If he's getting a higher usage rate, you take a guy like Aiden Shaw, who's, who's really reworked some of his physical skill set this year. He could be a totally different player from last year. So even some of the returners are going to look different. And, and you're absolutely right. When you're bringing in so many transfer portal guys, teams just look completely different from year to year. Uh, so I, I try to stay out of the prediction business as best I can, simply because I think it's, it's kind of foolhardy that nobody really knows what anything is going to look like until games start being played. Last thing for you, and it's a few days old, but Ryan Wingo recently committed to Texas. And I've heard people say that, Missouri football put more into his recruitment than just about anybody under Eli Drinkwitz, maybe outside of Luther Burden. What was the disappointment level in Columbia when he did not put on a Mizzou hat? Yeah, I think there's certainly disappointment anytime you miss out on a, on a recruit like that, especially a five-star. There'd been a lot of confidence going into his commitment that he was going to be putting on a, a black and gold hat and not, uh, and not a burnt orange one. But I think it, it fits into what Drinkwitz has been preaching this year. The, the model that they're, the whole team has been saying from day one this season has been something to prove. And so I think this is something that, that Drinkwitz is taking as something for him to prove to people that, you know, Mizzou has, uh, there's, there's a lot of optimism around Mizzou. They're 14 in the country. They got a guy like Williams Winery earlier in this recruiting cycle. But evidently, whether it's NIL money or reputation or opportunity or whatever it is, evidently they, they don't have enough to get a guy like Ryan Wingo right now. So I think he's, he's going to take that uh, as a chip on his shoulder that he's got something to prove to some of these recruits 
uh, that Mizzou and Columbia is the place they want to be. Wingo's dad told Channel 5 here in St. Louis after it, hey, you know what, signing day isn't until December. We'll see what happens. Talking to other people, it doesn't sound like there's much of a chance that he would switch the commitment. Uh, has, is there still any contact between him and Mizzou, or is that pretty much shut off now? Yeah, you know, I, I haven't heard anything specifically on whether Mizzou has, has been in touch with, with Wingo and his family since the, the commitment, but his dad is right. Nothing is really official until signing day in December. So recruitment is still ongoing for guys who've committed, decommitted, verbally committed. You know, all of this, it, it still keeps going. I'm sure there are still going to be some phone calls made just for, for Wingo and for every player who's committed to Missouri in this class. They need to keep in contact with these guys and keep recruiting them up until they can put their names on the page in December uh, because that's what every other school is doing, these verbal commitments. Uh, well, they're nice and fun and, and exciting. They don't mean a whole lot until uh, until that point in mid-December. He's Eli Huff. He covers uh, Missouri athletics for the Post-Dispatch and STL Today. You follow him on Twitter at ByEliHoff. Eli, again, congratulations on the job. Great work so far. And uh, hopefully we can uh, get you on uh, every once in a while to talk uh, Missouri football and basketball. Well, for sure. Thanks for, thanks for the kind words. I appreciate it. Eli Hoff joining us here on the program. Appreciate him taking a few moments. Again, if you're just now joining us, breaking news of the last hour or so, the initial college football playoff rankings are out, and Missouri comes in. Pretty good spot for them. They are the number 12 team uh, in the nation. The uh, top four teams, which are the most important spots, Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State. So Missouri will be playing the number two team technically. Georgia's the number one team in the AP poll and the coaches poll. But in the college football playoff rankings, Georgia's number two, Ohio State number one, then Michigan three, Florida State number four. The rest of the top ten, Washington, Oregon, Texas, Alabama, Oklahoma, and Ole Miss. And then uh, Penn State number 11 coming in front of Missouri. Teams behind Missouri include uh, Louisville. How about LSU? LSU has two losses, so even though LSU beat Missouri, LSU is number 14. Missouri is number 12. Notre Dame comes in at the number 15 spot. Uh, Tennessee, another SEC team. They are at number 17. They are the last SEC team that's inside of the college football playoff top 25 rankings. All right, we'll take a break, come back, wrap up our number one of the program. It's Graybar Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. This is the Graybar Sports Open Line. Goldsmith swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Back at it here on KMOX in hour number two coming up. We've got a lot uh, going on in the program, our weekly fantasy football segment. Sean Malone is going to join us. We'll talk NBA basketball with uh, Justin Garcia, and we'll also talk about City uh, SC and uh, their performance Sunday and what they need to do moving forward with uh, Sydney Hunt from MLSsoccer.com. It is Halloween night, so a Halloween edition of this uh, Gray Bar Sports Open Line. We've got uh, Kyle Sixta working in the uh, station today. So, Kyle, uh, I was just texting with my wife. Uh, the house that we live in, the street that we're on, they do kind of a, a Halloween party for the entire neighborhood at the, the cul-de-sac area. So uh, my wife is going to leave a bowl full of candy on the doorstep while she and my daughter go up to the cul-de-sac area for the trick-or-treaters to come through. Do you think there's going to be any candy left over in that bowl of candy when they get back? Uh, probably not a chance. Someone's going to someone's gonna take more than one. Someone's going to, you know. 
hog all the candy. Will somebody just like go grab the whole bowl and oh, just yeah. dump the entire thing into Probably. a bag? Probably. I mean, we've got a ring camera, so I'll be able to see it. Ooh, you could catch them red-handed. I could, yeah. Catch I them could, on video. But they'll probably be wearing a mask, and they're probably eight years old, so <laughs> I'm not going to go. It's like what I was talking about yesterday with uh, uh, when we did our crosstack at the end of the hour. I've ca- oh, I caught yeah. the, uh, the person who let their dog, you know, poop in her front yard. Mm-hmm. I've got them clear on the ring camera. I don't think I'm going to do anything about it. We're still relatively new into the neighborhood. I don't want to make waves, but yeah, we can, we see everything. Wow. Yeah. You could definitely catch them red-handed. You could see who it is if they do. I could. So I'll, uh, I'll be, I am, so we have two, we have one at our front door and then we have one in the back. That's like over our garage. And I look through the, I'm, it's bad. I look through the thing like every day, but we, we get deer a lot. So that's always fun. Like deer will be hanging out in mm. our backyard and then I can show my daughter the deer in the backyard that we caught on the camera. So <laughs> there you go. Hey, uh, a funny memory I have of Halloween growing up as a kid is my dad. He loved Halloween like Michael Myers mm-hmm. and he would always have this Michael Myers mask and he would sit on the front porch. He would act like he was a dummy, like not real. Really? He would just lay there or like sit there on the couch we have had on our porch and if anyone took more than one, we had like a take one sign. So he pretended that it was all fake. And if they took more than one, he would jump out and scare them. And it was hilarious. And word got out that like, oh, that guy's real. That guy's not fake. It was uh, just a funny memory I have of Halloween. He was ahead of his time because that's like a classic like social media right. video bit now. You would see some influencer. So your dad was, is your dad on TikTok? Uh, no. he's your dad's not, not on TikTok? No, no. You should, you should tell him he should do that bit still, and he should, he should have a camera set up. He'd probably and go viral. That's yeah, that's what he can be known as, <laughs> as the uh, uh, as the the candy enforcer. So, right. all right, that's it. This is uh, we're uh, back with hour number two coming up in uh, just a few moments uh, on the program as uh, we roll on with a uh, Gray Bar Sports Open Line again. Uh, a lot of breaking news over the course of the last hour or so as uh, we learn that uh, Adolis Garcia and Max Scherzer have each been taken off of the Texas Rangers playoff roster. That means their playoffs will officially come to an end for Garcia. That ends one of the greatest playoff runs that you are ever going to see. His final playoff line for the Rangers this year, 15 games, 323 average, 20 hits and 62 at-bats, Eight of his 20 hits are home runs, 22 RBIs, which sets a Major League Baseball uh, postseason record, one more than David Freeze, so he finishes just one in front of the David Freeze record, and an OPS better than 1,100, a slug better than 700, but unfortunately for him, his playoffs has come to an end. This is a Great Bar Sports Open Line on KMOX. Mm-hmm.